technology will align with none of these is geared towards technology, but it's not really about technology. It's all about really delivering what you as a healthcare system need to deliver, which is patient care and patient experience. Welcome to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast, where IT and digital leaders from around the world talk about their careers, their inspiration, and their vision for the future of digital business. I'm your host, David Wright. The world of digital business is evolving faster than ever, and I want this to be a place where digital business champions create a village to band together and help each other navigate the ever-changing terrain. Disruptive Innovators features conversations with CIOs and digital leaders from around the world, diving into their personal backstory, career, their current role, trends they've been seeing, and their vision for the future, personally, professionally, and otherwise. This podcast is made for people who are seeing how quickly the digital business landscape is evolving. Those who recognize that it takes a village of trusted advisors to navigate this ever-changing terrain. People who enjoy listening to high-level discussions surrounding what it means to be a leader, real-world examples of challenges faced, and industry-specific strategies leveraged to create exceptional business outcomes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net. Good afternoon, friends. David Wright here, and I am your host of the Disruptive Innovators, Champions of Digital Business podcast. And this afternoon, I am lucky enough to be joined by Inder Kohli. Inder, it's a pleasure to have you on. Hello, David, and pleasure to be on this podcast. And really, hello to your listeners. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So for those of our listeners who may not know, can you tell everyone a little bit about your current role. Sure. I am Chief Information Officer at Englewood Health in New Jersey. It is a medium-sized health system in northern New Jersey with single acute care hospital and with over close to 150 locations, which include physician practices, hospital outpatient services, urgent care centers, imaging, and all of those guys. All of these locations under a single electronic medical record and on a single enterprise network. So my role here is really oversee all aspects of IT initiatives, digital transformation, strategies for the health system, and supporting and growing the digital footprint of the hospital as the organization grows. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to diving more into that. Well, first off, we like to start the episode with just one piece of actionable advice you might look to leave everyone with today. Too early in the process to give advice, but if I think about this, I think the one advice I will give, because most of the listeners probably are my peers in the healthcare or other industries, and that's part of the role we are called upon to either automate a system, enhance a function, implement a tool or technology. And we have all that figured out, believe it or not, right? We know how to scope it, what things to manage in terms of workflow, how to deliver it, implement it, train our users. So my advice will be start with an outcome focus first. What are the desired outcomes out of this implementation? Because somehow we define the scope and we deliver to the scope and maybe outcome gets missed. Because as everyone is technology expert, they come to us with just implement this solution for us. 
And many times we dive into it, but maybe we need to take a step back and say, what are the desired outcomes you're trying to achieve? And then structure the project or the implementation with that outcome. What you will find is it helps us narrow the scope. It helps us create the required operational alignment because you really, it's not about implementing a shiny tool. It's about really benefit out of the technology implementation, which is aligned with what operation wants at the end of it, really. Some outcomes, some value, some ROI, a better experience. So that will be my one piece of advice getting out of the gate. Wow. Coming with the fire. Oof. <laughs> I mean, that was great advice, Ender, and so true. Seemingly so intuitive, but I feel wow. so often is missed, right? And the fact that oftentimes true innovation, making sure that we're focusing on people, process, methodology, so crucial to making sure those technology projects are implemented successfully. So just great advice, great advice. So Ender, let's talk a little bit about your backstory. So how did you start out and how did you get to be the CIO of a very well-known health system in the Northeast? Sure. So my journey with healthcare started over 20 years ago. My journey with IT started, I think, over 25 years ago. Initial part of my career, I'm a software engineer and a technology management professional by background. Initial part of my career was spent on writing the programs and delivering financial software industry solutions. So as part of that, I worked for almost all major banks in India, Southeast Asia, Middle East, and even in the US. 20-something years ago, I landed in healthcare with a consulting assignment for Columbia University Medical Center. And at that time, I was lucky to land there because I think I found that that was one of the best places for cutting-edge informatics research and delivery. It was one of the top places, if not the top places in the country. So I made a conscious decision to stay in healthcare IT, working at Columbia University Medical Center. And I had really great opportunity there working on a large clinical research infrastructure, clinical trials management system. We also provided IT and operational support to New York Presbyterian Hospital, one of the number one hospitals in Northeast in New York City. So I had really an opportunity to work with not only the best and brightest mind in informatics research, but I also got a flavor of what a bench to bedside looks like in terms of clinical research and delivery. And then I went to Hospital for Special Surgery in New York. I worked there for close to 13 years. And that transition really gave me an opportunity to directly work on initiatives which make an impact to a patient, which make an impact for the clinicians taking care of patients and by way of that makes an impact to the patient. And that was a very rewarding experience. As I said, from bench to bedside to really directly implementing solutions which impact the patient care is really the best way to connect with the mission of my job and my organization. And, you know, I had an amazing growth there at HSS. And during the time there, I worked on several dozen clinical technology implementations, ranging from electronic medical record, imaging technologies, medical devices, some of the cutting-edge work there around imaging, data analytics, infrastructure project, and you can imagine there are a lot of stuff that goes on in a hospital in terms of clinical safety and operational excellence. So I benefited from the fact that I raised my hand for almost everything, and that gave me a rich experience to really prepare me for the job I have now, right? I mean, this is what I trained for, this is what I experienced at HSS, and now I'm 
here in Inglewood as a CIO, managing all aspects of IT. Maybe half of those were my direct responsibility before, but now I have oversight over all of it, including infrastructure, cybersecurity, applications, data analytics. This really helps really put all of my learning together to implement and make an impact. And what I'm trying to do here is what I think most CIOs try to work on is really manage your operations and also try to align ourselves with the strategic goals of the organization because that's where the tailwind helps us to propel forward. And I'm working on this and I'm looking forward to really transforming and growing with this organization. So that in a nutshell is my story. When I, I love what you said about connecting with the mission of the organization, really being able to have an impact on patient care and see that. And that's one of the reasons that I dove so readily into healthcare is because if I can play a small part in improving the lives of members of my community and or the caregivers who are tasked with providing the care, yeah, that's just really cool to me. So great that as a leader that, you know, really resonates with you. So Inder, what would you say is one of the most important things that you learned along the journey personally or professionally? And what was life like before learning it and after learning it? Only one, I have a list of things. (laughs) (laughs) If I have to pick up one, I would say it's discipline. And I think it's key to success and it's really a life-changing habit. By no means I'm saying I've achieved it all. It's a work in progress. It will always be a work in progress, no matter what we're doing. But I would say I make a conscious attempt to lead a disciplined life, both at work and at home. But I think on a personal level, I feel it just helps develop a healthier relationships, better communication, because I'm also approaching it in some structured manner rather than taking it on the fly. All of us need to do, I especially need to do more listening and show respect and empathy. I think that all in my mind goes back to some disciplined approach to everything. And that's where I think one thing I would say is a big lesson learned. It allows me to have more control of my day, my plans, my destiny. Maybe that's an overstatement, but but you get the point. I feel like you got the notes on discipline a lot earlier than I did. I think it it took well into my mid-20s for me to develop any real sense of discipline. No, but yeah, it's so important. I mean, you read these books about athletes too, right? Olympians or, you know, pro basketball players who just oftentimes the difference between success and failure or being a champion and not being a champion, right? Is just that rigor of getting in there, the discipline, making it happen and that stick-to-itiveness to do it over and over again awesome. and continually try to get right. better. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, discipline, I think, is huge. And I like that you brought it home to your personal life, too, because especially for me as a husband and a father of two young girls, it's crucial that, like you said, communicating effectively, having the kind of schedule mapped out in order to create a happy and healthy home. Like, obviously, we want to be able to relax and have some freedom to kind of move around within the constructs of it. But without the constructs themselves, it would be chaos. So Great. And you know, you will agree, right? You've got to show how to do it rather than tell how to do it. So a disciplined, structured approach is applicable no matter you're managing a team or being part of a family and raising kids, you know, so I have young kids like you. So 
I got to demonstrate that. Absolutely. So, Ender, what about a time, I feel like as IT and digital executives, we've all had plenty of like, you know, failures to cite over the course of our careers. But, you know, is there a time that you were challenged or that a project failed or something happened that you took a really profound lesson from? You know, obviously all my biggest learnings came from my biggest moments of personal or professional strife. Is there a time that sticks out in your mind as an event that you learned a lot from? I would say put it this way, right? Over the course of long career, there are so many of those instances. But if I look back now, I think that the last three years of COVID dwarfs everything up. And this statement may be held true by a lot of people, right? All across. And But I'm coming from a very unique perspective of being in healthcare, not direct patient care, but very closely aligned and having a front row seat to it. So my challenges before this were all around projects, delivery, operations, how to keep things in order. All of those things are very valid when you're living it and you're trying to steer it to a successful outcome. And there are so many lessons learned. But now I look back, I see, well, those were fine. Those were still structured. And then COVID came to us and the healthcare, which was transforming in some ways, but we achieved three years worth of transformation in three months. And we even were surprised at our ability to transform that quickly. And it just didn't happen by fluke, I would say so. So think about it. I worked at a hospital where 95% of our clinical care was planned procedures. That's all we did, musculoskeletal care, right? So you have time to plan, you have time to perfect your workflows, time to perfect patient flows, assess the patient, and then deliver the best possible care. And we did deliver. So now you are trusted in a situation where it's not planned. The needs are acute out there in the community and the needs are immediate. And then like every single clinical service change, operation change starts with IT now because IT is so integrated in the business of clinical care or in the practice and profession of clinical care. So I had a front row seat of trying to make the change. If you need to start accepting new patients suddenly who we never accepted before, the kind of patient, the sick patients, the COVID patients, we had to convert our ORs to, to ICUs. We had to start accepting trauma patients from all over New York City, orthopedic trauma. Everything started with change of IT system, deployment of IT technology, retraining of users. So I had that front row seat and where I saw what's the cost of not delivering? And that was mm. very impactful for me, my team. And we did an amazing job of doing what we needed to do because the cost of delay was none of us wanted to imagine that if we're not able to take care of the patient. And I'll bring up one other thing here, right? A very simple act. You may remember communication was a challenge for a patient who's in isolation and their families are not allowed to visit them. There's only isolation for a patient. And who knows what's going to come next? I think those things, every failure we have learned lessons from, I think this sticks with me till today. This sticks with me till today that we were able to transform quickly because we had practiced this, perfected this art over years because we were able to deliver a safe care in a very expedited manner. And that's what we call as our training of delivering in a methodical manner. And one last thing I'll say here, which is still something we all are trying to solve, I hope we get to talk about it in future, is that COVID also exposed lack of equity in healthcare access and healthcare services. 
and lack of access to technology. Something which you know all of us health systems are now trying to solve and look at how can we make it better for our patients, all communities, all under subpopulation. But those disparities came in play. So I don't know if I answered the exact question of what I learned. I think what we learned out of this is that we can deliver a safe care in stressful condition because if we are connected with the mission of the purpose of the organization or the purpose of that delivery, and secondly, is really go ahead and make changes in our delivery so it's equitable care. Yeah, that is some really profound lessons. And we can get into a little bit more of the health equity. I have some thoughts around that surrounding some of the retail players that are coming into the market right now. I think that's kind of shift health equity. I also had some ideas about kiosk style telehealth at certain junctures. So let's get into it. I want to talk a little bit more about your current role. Before we do, I always like to ask my guests, favorite book either that you've read all time? So I won't say it all time, but I've read recently and or listened on Audible recently is A Servant Leadership by Liam Taylor. And, you know, I don't know if I am a true servant leader, but I'm definitely a democratic leader. And I'm a leader who came from where my team is today. I rose up the ranks. So I totally understand their challenges, totally understand what it takes to deliver. And also I'm able to call out the bluff. But why I like this book, and I, I listened to it, I think a few months ago, I finished listening to it. It's, it talks about the things which have been front and center of my leadership side, which is really putting the needs of team first and help them be successful. Because I am not delivering technology solutions to organizations. My team is delivering a solution to the organization. So my delivery is not technology. My delivery is my team delivering the technology and a function. And we are very hands-on here in healthcare. Our analysts, my managers, they have inconsistent communication with our operational folks because we know the impact our technology makes. So this book talks about that, talks about really how, as a leader, we need to help our team members perform better and effectively. And if they perform effectively, that means that delivery really means a fulfillment both professionally and personally, we all want to achieve milestones which satisfy us internally. Forget the, you know, the project milestones and stuff. The other aspect of the book talk about all the traits. I would say I'm not perfect at that, but we all want to acquire as leaders is really active listening, compassion, influence, and awareness, really stewardship. All the things we all leaders need to continuously work on bettering those. Um, so that's why this book kind of resonated with me. And since you mentioned book or blog, if I can take two more, one minute more to cover a blog written by one of my peers, a CIO in in Maryland, he's a physician by background. And it was about value of time. It was why it stayed with me is because he breaks it down to the level that every solution we implement, we should also pay close attention to, is it helping reduce the time spent or waiting time? or non-productive time. And there's mm-hmm. one stat which I'll share, which is interesting that if we take an average lifespan of 80 years, that only breaks down to 700,000 hours. Certainly not a big number. And if we can find efficiencies in patient's daily life by reducing the 40 minutes wait time at the front desk, 30 minutes in the exam room, or making it more efficient for them, we are already making an impact. So a very nice written blog. Yeah. 
I, I'm going to have to get that from you after this, but that perspective is the way to think about it for sure. So let's get into what you guys are up to at Anglewood. So what would you say is your vision for IT and digital as it's derived from the overall you know, mission of the organization? And what are some of the key initiatives you're focused on? Sure. So my vision coming into the organization and being here for a little while is if I can describe, and I often use this term, run, grow, and transform. I want to make sure that run part of organization is resilient, functioning well, optimally, available for everyone, which is your infrastructure, network, applications, whatever we have in place. Keep the lights on, is minimizing it. It's really more than that. It takes a lot more than that. Englewood is all about growth. You know, I mentioned earlier that we are a single acute care hospital, but we have 150 locations. And, you know, last year only we added 30 plus locations. So, of course, I want to align with all of the growth strategy with the organization. I, I mean, you know, where organization wants to grow, I want to be lockstep with them, aligned with their strategy and delivering solutions. Growth in my mind also is exciting because you don't really end up doing more of the same because with growth comes opportunity to deploy something more exciting, something efficient, which does have an impact because you are not layering old technology. You're, you're always improving. And that ripple effect helps my run level raises because I'm growing. And of course, you know, we all want a transformation. Healthcare has been transforming for a while, but now the big thing is digital transformation. So one of the things I've been focused on since last year is our digital transformation strategy and roadmap. When I joined, I was bombarded left, right, center by all solutions and vendors implemented, which is not wrong, right? We learn from that, but I wanted to take a step back and look at holistic strategy, which works for our organization. So we went through that process, a methodical approach, came up with our roadmap, came up with our initiatives over next three, sorry, 18 months, and then over three to five years, because we can't just do everything at the same time. So that's where we are focused around patient access, patient engagement, the referrals, the integrated care within our system, and also looking forward when, when patient is not within our four walls, so to say, right? The remote monitoring, the chronic care management. Those are some of the big things. In addition to, I would again put right, the run doesn't just happen on its own. A lot of work going on with the infrastructure team, resilience in our architecture, cybersecurity. Those have been my major focus. Very cool. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges you guys are facing today? I would say the challenges I am facing is probably same as most CIOs across the industries will say, right? This is cybersecurity is a big challenge for all. It's not a challenge that we don't have things in place. It's like fighting terrorism. We just have to be alert all the time here. The actual job is to take care of patient. Clinicians just need to be aided by the tools. So we work together with them. We watch their workflows. We align with them. Many times we go through the workflow transformation because we can find efficiencies or better way of doing things. But think about it. It's a controlled environment. I know them. My team knows their workflow. We observe them. We have ability to work with them. Now the unique challenge is that digital transformation in healthcare is all outwards focused to patients, to you, me. We are consumers of healthcare. It's no longer the controlled environment. And I understand most patients, all of the consumers understand that healthcare is more complex than ordering food or hailing a car ride. But the reality is, deep down, we all have a desire that it becomes that easy to access. We understand it will not be safe. 
But those are the desires and those are the needs out there. We now have to understand what a consumer may need and we don't have a controlled environment. So that's a big challenge for healthcare right now that we're trying to engage a consumer in their care. 100%. And I think we're also seeing more organizations really trying to understand what does the consumer want? And obviously different consumers want different things, but just in general, really finally letting the consumer drive that journey. Now, I think health systems in particular are at more of a disadvantage than more outpatient providers that have sprung up in the last five, 10 years, right? Because they were built in the cloud. Oftentimes they're not multi-specialty organizations that have been consistently growing by M&A and then got hit by COVID, right? Now you're doing all the things that you mentioned before on the infrastructure network, keeping the lights on, cybersecurity, and trying to transform while coming out of COVID. It's a lot for anybody. But, you know, it's great that you guys have that kind of roadmap going. And I mean, all the areas that you guys are touching on, I think are crucial. So it sounds like you guys are doing it, which is amazing. We're making an effort there. We also have a little late in this process because of the way our electronic medical record implementation was done. And then we need a few years of stabilization. So the advantage is there are health systems around us who already have it. And we can learn from them. But more importantly... We also have an opportunity to build from ground up a new function or a process could be a digital first approach rather than layering digital on top of analog processes. So there's an advantage, you know, slight disadvantage that we are late in the process, but I think the late helps in some ways. Yeah, you get to learn from the folks that have gone before where they have failed so that you may not need to repeat that. And I was talking with a CIO a few months ago Actually, it was at the conference we did in December, and he mentioned how with the EHR too, it's another one of those things where you've never arrived, right? Like you're always going to be kind of iterating, trying to make it better because there will unequivocally always be opportunities to improve it. What about best practices that you might recommend? I mean, I know we touched on some earlier in the episode, but any other advice to you know other CIOs or leaders who are guiding IT and digital teams? I think we touched on a lot, a go back, maybe it's part of it is repeated that really we need to align with operations. It's not about implementing tools. It's really about delivering the outcomes operation is asking for. So the sooner we align and my teams are very well tuned on this from in the last 15 years, I've been saying the same. We start with our operation alignment first. We'll deliver tools and technology where operations can accommodate in their workflow and what operations desire. So that's there. And then there are certain basic things which is inherent of working in healthcare IT technology, which is really patient safety first, do no harm. We are extremely careful in our testing processes and rightfully so. I don't mind a week's delay, but we want to make sure there are no patient safety concerns with anything we build. Because the way we are integrated with patient care these days, it is paramount. It is inherent that we need to be more careful about everything we put out there. I would also add that just a reminder that technology is not the end product, it's the enabler of clinical and operational function. So always keep that perspective there. It's not really about shiny too, and keep it simple. And we all start wanna do those, all the functions in the product, but I think we're, many times what we do is we implement those things that there are no takers. 
and they are not utilized. So it's easier to build up versus to build all and then you know, see it not being used. And that brings me, I think, to the point I keep making with in terms of lessons, the more and more we need members of our team who are able to understand the operations, mostly clinical and non-clinical operation of the hospital. So I don't have programmers in my team. No one usually has in healthcare. We have analysts, clinical analysts, business analysts, who many times come from those clinical backgrounds inherent understanding of IT systems. So they become the right conduit between technology and operation. So the more you can have in your team, the better the delivery will be. Yeah, I'm glad we touched on it again because I think it's an important point. And what it reminded me too is that my job as an IT and digital executive oftentimes is to step into that role of organizational change management where I'm putting my arms around all these different groups and specialties. And oftentimes we'll find that they think they have different visions for what's possible or what they'd like. And my job is to kind of translate it into, you know, a language that everybody can get behind, translate it to the board and do a language that they appreciate. And really, if I just stay in my like kind of IT and digital lane where it's kind of narrow, I'm doing the organization a disservice. So I think it's great that you touched on it again. Because it's more important now than ever. It is more important because really the resources are not abundant for any organization, right? And you want to best utilize your resources and deliver products which will be utilized by operation, which makes a difference rather than just as a project of delivery and moving on. So I think not been in that space for 15 years, I would say it was always about alignment, but we all are challenged by the limited resources and able to prioritize. And that's where I think the operational alignment helps like anything. Yeah. I also like what I heard from what you said before was think big, start small, or that's what, you know, right. kind of I, mean, I took away from it. And we have done that. Like, you know, when you implement a big EMR system, it will take that kind of a time and effort, but then you have to think it's a structured robot. With the new transformation tools, we have the ability to be agile and we mm. have an ability to try something, try for a few months. If it fails, then, you know, fine, we do a lesson learn and move on. But you know, if it's successful, then build on top of it. And you know, nobody wants to wait 18 months also for delivery. So it helps both parties. 100%. So, Andrew, we the last couple of questions here I got for you. First would be, what do you think will be some of the biggest changes in the healthcare industry as time passes? And I know that could be seen as a meta question, but I know we touched on health equity before. We got value-based care. What do you think might be some of the biggest changes? Yeah, this is good. And actually, I ponder on these things all the time because this comes up often. Where do you think industry is going to go? I think I definitely see an accelerated transformation of healthcare and this time more outward focus with the patient or consumer, right? Whether patients getting engaged in their own care, I think will be a primary driver of delivering healthcare. Healthcare is also moving more in the communities, no longer in one large hospital building. So we are moving in the communities, we are moving virtual, we're moving to people's home. So we'll see a greater merger of what I call it analog care, where you actually see a provider and digital care, which is not always virtual care, but there is a process of getting up to the provider, you know, the experience of getting up to the provider, finding a provider, scheduling, intake process, all digital. But then the same experience continues 
when you see the provider and same experience continues after that. So I see that I think, well, it's definitely changing. It's already changing. Regulatory landscape, I expect, will change to accommodate this integrated and seamless experience of patient where right now we are under some special reimbursement models from Medicare for telehealth. But I think that will wean off either later this year or next year. But at that time, the regulatory landscape has to change. The reimbursements model need to change to allow digital care. I would say that COVID also really you know, showed that we talked about it, right? The digital care is right now not for everyone, and we just need to work towards it. And I can tell you there is definitely a great deal of dialogue about reaching those underserved populations, the disparity of care. I see more work getting there. Social determinants of health is a must-have topic of discussion, patient intake process. We are looking at that as a provider, but also as a technology companies. So that will change. I use the word patient slash consumer interchangeably, get used to that, I feel. Because the concept of consumer is taking root in healthcare and already a lot of progressive organizations, that will become a normal over the period of time. And you know, I think those were a few things around reimbursement model. One more change I anticipate there is that the pay-per-use model may become norm. A lot of younger population right now is preferring that. They don't want to pay all these premiums. So that kind of creates an imbalance in the system, but I think that's where the model is going. Of paper use care when you are younger, healthy, you don't need as much care, you only buy what you need kind of a thing. A few thoughts around it. Technology will align with none of these is geared towards technology, but as I say, it's not really about technology. It's all about really delivering what you, as a healthcare system, need to deliver, which is patient care and patient experience. 100%. Love that. Ender, so the last question would be, if you could go back 5, 10, even 15 years in time, what advice would you give your younger self? I would say my younger self, you know, what I've learned now, that technology is great only if it solves any functions. My younger mm-hmm. self was all about cool technology and delivering those projects and being on top of it. So I say that that's my learning process over the last 10 plus years, and I want to continue to learn and grow on this so this is my advice to all of you. It's like ingrained in all aspects of human life, right? Now, technology. So it's not about technology. It's about really what value delivers, whether you're ordering food or whether you're seeking healthcare. More specific for those who are in corporate environment who have to do this justification all the time or why invest in it, learn to sell your story and how others understand. Don't talk about mm. technology, what value and function this will bring when you really need a buy-in on what you want to deliver. And it could be a hardcore hypervisor Nutanix implementation, which no one can understand, but you need to sell it in a matter what does it offer for you as a consumer and for me as an enterprise. And one last thing I'll say is don't do others' work. Try to create a culture where people who are supposed to do the work do it. Otherwise, you create more imbalance in your teams because what happens is we ask the team, all right well the user is not doing it why don't you do the workflows so that in long term that creates an imbalance and resentment in the team so i go back to my role my role is to make sure my teams are successful do everything in my power i'm more vigilant of those things now being there supporting them and making sure if i need to escalate everything. so i think those will be my advice if i were to go back five ten years yeah the great advice i mean um, ender It was an absolute pleasure having you on today. Thank you so much for taking the time.
Thank you. I was glad to have this conversation. And thank you really to your listeners for staying along with us and look forward to more opportunities. Yeah. And to echo that to our listeners, thanks for tuning in and we will catch you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Disruptive Innovators Champions of Digital Business podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to enjoy future episodes. This episode is brought to you by Disruptive Innovations, a leading tech consulting firm that helps enterprise organizations with their IT strategy, process optimization, and workflow improvement. Contact them and find out more at disruptiveinnovations.net.